0: Good to see y'all. All right, we're going to be continuing in First Thessalonians, so turn to chapter 2, verse 17. But since we were torn away from you brothers for a short time in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. Let's pray. Father, what a privilege to gather with the saints to worship your name. We thank you that you are truth, that you are pure, that you are righteous, that you are holy, and that you are good. And Lord, I pray that you would Uh, lavish your grace upon us today and multiply it to us lord fill us with your spirit to hear rightly from you and the words and the application today lord let us apply it accurately completely and fully and god we we pray lord that your word would go forth not just here today but in churches across america and churches across this world some people gathered publicly some people have to gather in secret lord but people are gathering and we praise you for that and we thank you we pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters lord may they continue to persevere may they continue to stay strong wherever they're at god continue to strengthen them to stay the course use them Lord to grow your kingdom God use us to grow your kingdom even at such a time as this Lord you've prepared the church uh, to weather whatever might come our way God so let us be the church in the midst of this pandemic let us be salt and light God to our family who might not know you To our friends who might not know you. To our neighbors who might not know you. Use us, Lord, to reach them for your kingdom. Amen. So, here's a newly planted church in Thessalonica. Um, Paul's just planted it. The Thessalonians, they're young believers. They're, They're young in their faith. Paul goes there on one of his missionary journeys he ends up leading people to the lord they end up planting a church i mean this happens real quick if you remember and then uh a number of situations occur he has to take off so he's not there anymore which is in part why he's writing the letter Uh, but now he's trying to get back to see what's going on to see how they're doing and he couldn't get there and there was a hindrance and who was the hindrance from Satan. i mean that's what the scriptures say right there in verse 18 it says satan hindered us this actually answers two questions we might have about satan and his work can satan hinder us yes don't you like it when i mean the scriptures just like clear straight out right does he hinder yep so does he do that yes um can he do it yes uh, Satan's going to stop at nothing to hinder, take down, destroy the work of God. Now, here's the thing. At times, because you read this and you're like, oh, Satan hinder him. But at times, um, Paul realized Satan, as in this situation, was involved preventing ministry to occur. But there's actually other times where Paul sees the Lord's special providence uh, prevented them. There's a couple times in Acts, actually. We're just going to look at. Uh, two particular situations briefly look at Acts chapter 16 Acts 16 are you all there we're going to pick it up in verse 6 and they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia so they're on one of their missionary journeys they actually want to go and speak the word to asia but who prevents them the holy spirit right god's like nope not happening verse seven and then and when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into bithynia but the spirit of jesus did not allow them so they try to go to bithynia what happens the Spirit's like, no. So, at times, the Lord can put a stop to the plans that we have. And, if you've been a believer for any length of time, you will say a heartily amen to the fact that sometimes he says no to our plans. Right? We plan things out. And God's like, no, no, no. I got, I got some different plans for you. All right, Praise God, okay? Because if he would have let some of my plans go... It wouldn't have been pretty. So he is gracious to do that. He's gracious to to do that in our own lives. We see a couple examples here. They want to go to Asia? No. They want to go to Bithynia? No. I mean, those seem like good things, right? I mean, they're preaching the gospel. They're taking the word forth. The Spirit says, no. God had other plans for them. In those occasions, uh, Paul recognized it was God's hand involved, holding them back, directing them elsewhere. God had other plans. At Thessalonica, though, there's no, there's no direction from God. The Spirit's not involved in prohibiting them. Rather, Satan himself is involved in the hindrance. Now, here's the thing, friends. Uh, Satan attacks us in all sorts of areas. I think a lot of times we just think of like temptations to commit sins you know, things we actually do. We might be tempted to steal from work. We might be tempted to cheat on our taxes. We might be tempted to uh, be rude to our spouse. We might be tempted to use foul language. We might be tempted to look at pornography. We're being tempted to do something, right? That's part of what Satan does, Uh, but there's more. When we talk about Satan's work and where he tries to affect us and cause a hindrance, there's three areas, all right? The first one is he tries to hinder is with the object of our faith everyone say the object of our faith all right that, that was okay okay you want guys want to try that again the object of our faith all right we're going to be i want i want a little more interaction today okay, okay. <laughs> thank you <laughs> wow It's like when I talk to my kids, I'm like, hey, when I address you, can you, like, at least respond back, you know, like, yes, to know that you heard me, you know? And they just shake their head, no, I'm, I need something, right? I need a verbal. So, the object of our faith. Who is the object of our faith? Jesus, right? So, the object of our faith is Jesus. We place our trust in him for salvation. Amen? When we talk about the object of our faith, Jesus... Um, it's through Jesus we are saved. We're putting our trust in his finished work. The Father is gracious to bestow upon us his saving grace, right? So we can talk about Jesus, we can talk about the Father, we can talk about the Spirit. Satan is going to want to throw a hindrance at us when it comes to who God is in his very nature. What do I mean by that? He won't want us to question things like does God really have your best interest at heart he wants you to doubt God's good, who God is his attributes his character does God have your best interest at heart what is that challenging what attribute God's goodness right his goodness is God really good He'll he'll whisper things in your ears like, does God really love you? And then he might even say, because if he really loved you, sometimes he throws this on the end, he wouldn't let this happen, or he would have this happen. He wants you to doubt who God is. Things like God doesn't care for you, God doesn't love you. So Satan will throw that at us, In a variety of ways, use every single circumstance he can to toss that right at you. I mean, Satan's like, I mean, he's like uh, a soldier loaded with grenades. And he'll just lob those grenades at you left and right. He's he's okay if he can just get close enough for the grenade to do a little bit of damage. He'll accept that because the next one, he'll get even closer. So he's going to want you to doubt who God is in his very nature, who God is in his very essence. He wants you to doubt the character and attributes of God. So that's the first one. The second one, well, here's the thing. <clears throat> because think about this. It's kind of, it can be discouraging sometimes if you get on social media and you see maybe your friends that have walked away from the faith and they act like they've become enlightened now. They think they've reasoned themselves away from God. You know, they no longer believe. Friends, the, the enemy is actively involved in that. I mean, don't just think this is, a lot of times we just think from natural human causes. Come on, friends. Like, wake up. There's a spiritual world out there, there's a spiritual world. So the enemy is actively involved in that. Think of people right now that you know on the cusp of walking away, or maybe they have walked away. You think that was just their little own decision? You think the enemy played no role in that? You think there aren't principalities and spiritual forces at play you think there's not a battle for their soul oh we got to wake up because satan wants to take people down he wants to take anyone and everyone down he'll use whatever means he can he'll come for you he'll come for your family the scriptures say he's a liar he's a destroyer he's a killer so prepare for the attack, prepare yourself, prepare your family. If you're not prepared, you're, gonna, you're, you're quite vulnerable to fall. Okay? There's spiritual enemies that are against every single person in this room. Every single person listening, there's spiritual enemies that are against you. They will attack. That's the first area. The second area is the content of our faith. What do I mean by that? It's the beliefs and teachings that are part of the Christian life. It's one of Satan's oldest tricks. He wants you to doubt the word of God. What has God said? Look back at Genesis chapter 3. Verse 1 Now the serpent was more crafty than any beasts, any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say? That's where it started, friends. Thousands of years ago, that's where it started, and it continues to this day. Satan will take God's word and put a question in your mind. About, did God really say that? Did he really mean that? Is that what he's trying to get at? Did God really say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden and the woman said to the serpent we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden neither shall you touch it lest you die but the serpent said to the woman you will not surely die he wants us to doubt God's word and friends wherever the culture is going morally Satan's going to tempt us. He's going to throw things at us to weaken our stance on those positions. Think about gay marriage. Fifty years ago, how many churches were supporting gay marriage? None. Why? It wasn't a cultural issue. Everyone agreed. Marriage. One husband, one wife. Okay? Everyone Honestly, if you just look at it, even our former President Barack Obama at one time said he believed in biblical marriage. So that cultural change has only happened in the last 10 to 15 years where the, the tide has shifted greatly. But now, if I ask the question, how many churches support gay marriage? I mean, what? Would it maybe half, three fourths? You know, I mean, a lot, too many. So the culture <clears throat> itself is going to continue to slide as far down as it possibly can. Satan's behind that too, by the way. The church has to decide if we're going to be a friend of God or a friend of the world. Which one? There's only two choices, friends. There's only two. And if you've ever followed the downfall uh, of big-name professing Christians, the crack in their armor always starts small. One doctrine. Maybe it's you know the, the sufficiency of the Word of God. It's, it's, is it actually the Word of God? Or maybe it's the doctrine of hell. It always starts with one thing. And then you can just start the timer because then it'll be a second thing and it will be a third thing and, and pretty soon there's a full denial. And I think, I think we need to be careful because sometimes we think on these cultural issues we're like, wow, oh, whew. Like, all right, we're, we're good on biblical marriage. Our church is standing. We're standing. We made it through that challenge by the culture. Like, we're good to go. Friends, the, the culture's not going to stop pushing. It's not going to stop pushing on this issue and a host of other issues. And sometimes it kind of frustrates me a little bit when when the outside world is, when is the church going to stop talking about gay marriage? Well, we'll stop talking about it when you stop talking about it and you stop practicing it. When is the church going to stop talking about abortion? We'll stop talking about it when you stop doing it. I mean, we don't don't have to talk about uh, sins that people don't commit. We talk about sins that people do commit. And the more society is committing a particular sin, the more it is upon us, not just me, but upon us to speak truth to that issue. We have to be the one. That's the salt, friends. That's the salt. We're trying to preserve. We're a preservative to the society. I mean, take believers out of a society. That's a scary thought. God is gracious and he's put us here to be that. Saul. So the content of our faith, we have to decide if we're a friend of God or a friend of the world. What book of the Bible talks about that? James. James, let's turn to James. Look what it says in verse 4 of James. You adulterous people. Someone needed to talk to James and be like, hey, that's, that's not very friendly to say that to people, James. You adulterous people. No. Sometimes the word just gives it to you straight. And we need to be men and women of God enough to be able to receive that word. We also need to be men and women of God enough to give that word. So, you adulterous people. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. That's pretty clear. All right, thirdly, we have the object of our faith, the content of our faith, and then we have the practice of our faith. Things like, That he will throw at us. Satan, why can't you do this as a Christian? What's wrong with doing that as a Christian? Listen friends, if Satan can get us to compromise in one area. Just one area. Because that's how it always is, right? I mean, is it it really that big a deal? Just this one thing. Friends, if Satan can get us to compromise in one area. And here's the thing, you can't sin against your conscience. God has given you a conscience. He's given you a conscience. You can't sin against your conscience. The things that we do here, on a whole host of issues, even even things we've decided to do regarding the virus and the protections we're taking, some of it boils down to conscience. I, I can't bind your conscience on things that the Word of God is not clear on. Now, you personally might have a conviction about something, something that maybe God personally has spoken to you about that you're concerned about that you're not supposed to do. You talk to people maybe on the issue of drinking. Some people just have decided not to drink at all. That's their conviction. Their conscience won't let them do that. So we, we, have, we have a conscience, and we have to be careful because we can actually sin against our conscience if God has, has shown us in this area, No. That would be compromise. So if we have that conviction, we have to walk it out. Some people have convictions about certain movies. Some people have convictions about alcohol. We can have convictions on a whole host of things. Sometimes it's just a wisdom issue. I get that, and I agree. But any area, if Satan can just get one area of compromise from us, one area, he knows there's a good chance he can get you to compromise two areas and then three areas and then four so he'll hone in on a weakness i mean has has satan ever honed in on a weakness of yours i mean he has for me he'll hone in on a weakness and it's just like i mean first it's like he's kind of just whispering it in your ear and it just turns then i feel like it just turns into like normal conversation you know, like it's gotten a little bit louder. And then at some points I feel like he's screaming in my ear. He hones in on weaknesses and will we'll keep putting it at you, putting it at you. He's wanting you to compromise just in that one area. It would be great victory on that weakness of yours that you've resisted this far for you to fall. Great victory for the enemy. If he can get you there then he's got hope to trip you up in the next area, too. you got to say no. You have to resist. Friends, Satan will throw everything at you to get you off track. You must stay on mission. Did Satan's hindrance stop Paul regarding his mission to Thessalonica? Actually, it did not. I don't want anyone... Saying yes. No it didn't. It didn't. Did it delay him? Yes. Did it stop him? No. That's the difference when we have a hindrance from Satan. If there's ministry that's being hindered. Can it delay? Sure. Stop. It shouldn't. Not for us. And let me just ask you a question. A little bit differently. Are you an enemy of the devil? Then act like it. I mean, think about it. Here's how one minister said it. I always count it to be my duty to show the devil that I am his enemy. And if I do that, I expect that he will show me that he is mine. If you're an enemy of the devil, then act like it. You cannot allow at any cost the enemy to detour you from the right path. Now, think about this for a second, friends. Satan was more concerned about Paul and his companions than he was about Emperor Nero and the politics of Rome. Satan's the one that's hindering Paul in his mission all the places Satan could be he can only be one place at a time where did he focus his attack on Paul on the, you know just a handful of guys traveling ar- around on shifts talking to people about Jesus now Satan's not stupid right he knew it was more than just a couple guys traveling on talking. I mean he, he knew what was at stake he's not stupid friends kingdom work threatens the realm of darkness. Satan is more concerned about stopping the preaching of the gospel than than any other work. He wants to stop kingdom work. That's what he wants to do. Think about it. When you preach the gospel, when you're faithfully ministering using your spiritual gifts, when you're doing the work of the kingdom, you are doing the one thing that Satan will do everything he can to stop So don't be surprised when there's pushback. Don't be surprised when there's roadblocks. And sometimes I think what happens, there's things I believe people in here, God's called you to do. And Satan has thrown up roadblocks. There's been hindrances. That's okay if there's a delay or a hindrance or something that slows you down for a bit, but if you really have the conviction that God has called you to do something, even if there is a delay, even if there is a pause, even if you get sidetracked for a bit, like, you got to come back and you got to fulfill that. You want to be faithful to the Lord, right? So if he's put a task before you and you know it's from him, regardless of how you get sidetracked, your own flesh, Satan, you got to come back and, and complete that. you got to come back and do that. And many people have come to me over the years about different things they believe God is calling them to do. But they never do it. And I'm sure there's many good, good reasons, good reasons. But if God puts a task before you, you complete it. Might take you days, might take you weeks, might take you months, might take you years or even longer. But if you have that conviction from the Lord that that is what he has called you to do, sometimes what happens is is like God speaks to you through a sermon. And you know it was from the Lord. But then you don't follow it out. It's easy to do. I've been there. But we want to be people that not just get stirred for a couple minutes on a Sunday morning. We want to follow that out. I mean, we're all like, oh, Lord, speak to me. Lord, speak to me. He's like, well, uh, sometimes when I speak, you don't really follow through on it. So do you want me to keep speaking? Because ain't no use me doing that if you ain't going to follow through. But you know what? God's gracious enough that even though we've failed like a million times, he continues to speak to us. He continues to call us to be a part of his work. He forgives us for that stuff that we've repeatedly Left undone, but he still wants us involved in kingdom work. It's the father calling the son to join him in work. Y'all are sons and daughters, right? He's calling you to join him in the work. Think of a, of a, of a dad who owns his own business. and He's like, son, I need your help. I need your help on this work. It's, it's, a, it's a big job, and I need your help on this. It's a big task at hand. I mean, that's how God is, is with us. Now the task isn't too big for God. But he calls his children to partner with him to be vessels to be used by him in the work of the kingdom. Of where the sons and daughters he's calling us. It's his business, right? It's his kingdom. Hey, I, need, I need your help with the kingdom work, brothers and sisters. I need your help with the kingdom work. Sons and daughters, come alongside and let's do this. Let's, let's stay on mission. Let's be about the work of the gospel for God. Yes, we might get roadblocks thrown our way, brothers and sisters. There might be hindrances. There always will be. Satan will never cease to attack. But we must remain vigilant. All right, Friends, Jesus, like, he's right around the corner from coming back. That's what the scripture says. He's right around the corner. We've got to be busy about the work. He comes like a thief in the night, the scripture says. Just boom. Least expecting it. We're going to hear those archangels. We're going to hear the trumpets. We're going to see Jesus. It's going to be here. Until then, let's stay about the work of the kingdom. For God's glory. Amen. Let's pray. Father, what a privilege to join you in your business. We get to help you in your, we get to know what's going on in the kingdom as much as you show us. We get to know what the work of you is in the sphere that you give us, Lord. We get to join you in that work. Lord, help us to put our hand to the plow and not look back. Help us to set our eyes on you and not be distracted. Lord, help us in the areas that there have been hindrances to us to push through and to push on. Whatever you might have spoken to people here, maybe they haven't accomplished, they know they need to, let them do so, God, for your glory. Thank you that you are way, way mightier than Satan and his kingdom of darkness. It doesn't even compare. And thank you, Father, that though we were once a part of that kingdom, you've transferred us into your kingdom. We owe you In one sense, a debt that cannot be repaid, but in a very true and literal sense, a debt that has been paid by your son, Jesus. The debt was paid. So we can be with you. We can be united with you. We can have communion with you. We can have fellowship with our great God and Savior. You are so good. Father, we love you. Thank you so much. Amen.